0: ...rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement, for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control." Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. We are moving on tonight in our study of this letter uh, to the third main section. Uh, I think it's always helpful when studying a book to try to get the the overview, the outline, what the big pieces are. And we've done that together the last several weeks and months. Uh, We've seen how the first four chapters all deal with the Corinthians' concern about the leadership and their authority. How Paul, on one hand, will say, don't be so concerned about your leaders, but he'll say, but listen to me because I'm your leader. And he will instruct them throughout the rest of this letter. We saw the second main section, chapters 5 and 6, matters about which Paul has heard things that were reported to him. He talked in that section about three basic things, an ungodly tolerance in the church. He talked about disputes between believers, and last time, talking about immorality in the church. Now we move on to the third section, the section which is actually the rest of the letter, not matters he has heard about, but matters which they have written about. He says in the beginning of chapter 7, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, Paul had been in correspondence with them, and they had corresponded back and had a number of questions about what Paul had said, needing some clarification of his teaching. And so in chapter 7, we actually have... I believe, four different topics Paul is going to address uh, with regard to concerns they had, misunderstandings that they had. Uh, I didn't read the whole chapter tonight. I would encourage you to read this entire chapter. We'll look at it together over tonight in the next three weeks. Um, But really the center of the chapter and the heart of what Paul wants to say in various applications is found in verse 17, where Paul says this, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but this. But keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. That's going to be Paul's point throughout this chapter. Our uh, requirement to keep God's commands, to serve God, and to do that. In the condition God has put us right now. Let everyone remain in the condition in which he was called. The title of this sermon and for the next few weeks will be Remain As You Are. He's going to flesh that out in different ways. He's going to address those who are married. He's going to address those who are single. He's going to address those who are slaves. All of these parts of life with the focus of how can we best serve God. How can we keep God's commands? And as always, that call to keep God's commands is rooted in the gospel. We always want to preach the law in the light of the gospel. Because of what God has done, because of the work of Jesus Christ, now we desire to keep the commands of God. What does that look like as a married person, as a single person, in the various parts of the life that we lead? Tonight, Uh, His focus is going to be on marriage. We'll address singleness just a bit tonight and then later in this part of the series. But tonight, really, remain as you are with regard to marriage. He says in verse one, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Uh, that, that phrase, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, is put in a quotation marks. Uh, very likely, this is something that Paul wrote to them. And they were uh, confused by it, didn't completely understand it. So they're, they're writing back to Paul, uh, you said, Paul, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. What did you mean by that? And so he is now going to quote what they quoted of him to explain it more fully. Because you see, when when Paul says, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, that can mean both with someone outside of marriage, but the same phrase can refer to someone inside of marriage. Is Paul saying that, that having sexual relations in marriage is a bad thing? It's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, even if that woman is his wife. Uh, They were confused by that. And so he's going to explain that for them. He goes on in verse 2. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. He is going to say marriage is good. Marriage is proper. Each man should have his own wife. A woman should have her own husband. He reminds us of the the exclusivity in marriage. Should have their own wife, their own husband. Remember this Corinthian culture in which they lived. Uh, A a culture of debauchery. A culture of anything goes and and having uh, multiple partners was no big deal for them. And Paul reminds them of of God's plan for marriage, that if we should marry, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. And that marriage relationship is a relationship of selflessness, of giving to one another. Verse three, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. They are to give to each other. Now just maybe parenthetically, when Paul says uh, the wife doesn't have authority over her own body, the husband does, the husband doesn't have authority over his body, the wife does, he is not somehow here contradicting what he says elsewhere regarding the the proper authority roles in the home. No, he's saying with regard to their physical relationship. They should be giving to each other. They belong to each other. Uh, Within the context of marriage, uh, one man and one woman, he says marital relationships are allowed. And it's a good thing. They were living, as I said, in the Corinthian culture, they were living in a Greek culture. And the Greek culture tended to demean the things of the body and tended to elevate the things that were spiritual. Well, that really led to two different problems, almost two opposite problems. This idea of demeaning the things of the body meant physical relationships were unimportant, and it led to immorality the body for food, food for the body. It's just natural, it's normal, like we talked about last time. And it led to an immoral culture because they would be with anyone they wanted. It's only a physical thing. It's not not really spiritual. So on the one hand, it led to a licentiousness. On the other hand, if the things of the body are demeaned, it could lead to a complete abstinence. Because really, it's the things of the of the heart, of the soul, that are really important. We shouldn't shouldn't be bothered with these physical relationships. That's something lesser in our marriage. We We should be one in heart and one in spirit. And Paul says, no, marital relationships are allowed. He says, it's okay to be married. It's okay to act like you're married. If this is the way you were when God called you, then remain that way. Don't seek to somehow change your relationship, demeaning the things of the body. This is how God called you. If you are married, live like you're married. Don't live like you're single anymore. So that's how he enters into this discussion Uh, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. He says, no, no, it's okay. Marital relationships are allowed. And he will go on to say, marital relationships should continue. If you were married when God called you, then remain that way. And and he will really, in in verse 5, carve out one very specific exception to that general rule. That marital relationships should continue. He carves out one very specific uh, exception. Verse 5 do not deprive each other that's the rule okay that's the rule don't deprive each other except except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again so that satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control Marital relationships are allowed Marital relationships should continue, don't deprive each other. But he said, unless, unless there's a very specific exception, unless, he will say, by agreement that the husband and the wife agree that, that for a season it would be better for their relationship to the Lord if they'd refrain from their physical relationship. Remember, the the goal is in verse 17, keeping God's commands, living for God, serving God. And if this is becoming a distraction, then by agreement, both have to agree that they would set this aside for a time. It's not not something one spouse can make the decision for the other. He says, no, by, by, by agreement. And he says, for a limited time. Maybe better, for a specific time. Uh, and it's not, it's not that, that, that depriving oneself makes you more holy, but just for this particular time, for a limited time, for a very specific reason, that you may devote yourself to prayer. Again, that you may be drawn closer to God with a greater desire and greater obedience to him. The marriage relationship is the closest, most intimate relationship we have on this earth. The only other relationship that supersedes that is our relationship to the Lord. And Paul says, don't deprive each other, but if you both agree And it's for a limited time. And it's so that you can devote yourself more fully to the things of the Lord, then perhaps it would be okay. We don't do this because we're angry with our spouse. We don't do this because we're too busy in life. It's for a particular purpose, to devote ourselves more fully to the things of the Lord. Paul carves out this very limited exception. And then what does he say? He says, devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. His general rule, don't deprive each other. Give yourselves to each other. Marital relationships are allowed. Marital relationships should continue. If, if we carve out this one exception, it is not to be done indefinitely. But then come together again, lest you be tempted because of your lack of self-control. A healthy marital relationship is one of the guards against immorality in the church. Remember the culture they were living in? Healthy marriages are a good uh, stay against being tempted toward immorality. But he says in verse six, now this is a concession Not a command. There's nowhere that God commands us uh, to refrain from our marital relationships. He says, no, this is a a, a concession. Not because it's more holy. Not because the things of the mind are more important than things of the body. You're not called to a monastic life if you are married. If you're married, it's okay to be married. It's okay to live like you're married. Paul has a high view of marriage. Some some claim he has a low view. He has a high view of marriage. He will elsewhere use marriage to describe that relationship between Christ and his church. That beautiful, intimate relationship. Christ, who is the husband, who who willingly gives himself, gives his life for the sake of the church. The church who is the recipient of his grace, of his mercy. The church that wants to respond to him with love and devotion and submission and obedience that beautiful relationship of marriage and the picture of Christ in the church. Christ, our bridegroom, calls out once again tonight to those who do not yet know this loving husband. He calls out tonight to to embrace the call of the gospel, to embrace Jesus Christ, to, to know his love to know his fellowship, his mercy, to come into that relationship with him. He calls you this evening to put your faith and hope and trust in him and be brought in to that beautiful marital relationship. Marriages are good, Paul will say. Marital relationships are allowed. Marital relationships should continue. But he says, marital relationships, being married, is not required for your service to the Lord. Look at verse 7. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Paul says, marital relationships are allowed, they should continue, but being married is not required to serve God. That's his point, keeping God's commands. Paul says, in fact, I wish you were all like I am. Evidently at this point, Paul was single. Now, uh, perhaps at one point he was married, we don't know that, whether he was or was not, but at this point, he is single. And Paul says, that's okay too. That's all right to be single. He's going to flesh that out more later in this chapter. But his point here is marriage is a good thing, a wonderful thing, but you do not have to be married to serve God. In fact, there are certain freedoms, certain opportunities, that those who are single have. They can be more concerned about the things of the Lord. We'll look at this uh, in a couple weeks, but in verse 32, he says this, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. There are certain freedoms There are certain opportunities that those who are single have. Paul's point in all of this is serve God now. Remain as you are. If you're married, it's okay to be married. Serve God as a married person. If you're single, serve God as a a single person. Don't put off your service to God. And I think we are so good at doing that. We put off our devotion to God. When we're young, when we're kids, we say, you know what? When I become a teenager, I'll really become serious about God and serious about His Word. When we are single, we say, you know, when I get married, then I'll really become become serious about serving God. We become married, we say, you know, when we have kids, then we're really going to get serious about our walk with the Lord and serving Him or when the kids uh, enter into school, or when the kids get out of school, or when when we retire. We always have a way of pushing off our service. Paul says, serve God now. Wherever you are. If you're married, serve Him as married. If you're single, serve Him as single. It's okay to remain where you are, where you were when God called you, that you might be able to, to keep His commands because of the gospel, because of what He has done. Paul says, remain as you are and serve the Lord so I guess the question we have to ask ourselves in closing tonight is that what we are doing are we serving God uh, first of all in our marriages are we as husbands keeping God's commands serving him as the loving caring heads of our homes are we Are we those who encourage our wives spiritually? Are we trying to build them up in the faith? That's our obligation. That's serving God. That's keeping his commands. Are we as wives serving God in our marriages? Are we being uh, loving and supportive to our husbands? Or are we, uh, every chance we get, tearing him down, undercutting his authority? God says, remain as you are. If you're a wife, serve God as a wife. Keep his commands. Are we serving God in our singleness? Are we using the particular opportunities that we have? The, the, the privileges God has given to us as those who are single. Because we don't, know, we don't know what the future holds. We're single today, but who knows what a year from now brings. I had a, I had a, a friend in seminary. He entered... Seminary as a single man. He graduated with a wife and three kids. He didn't study hard enough, I guess. We don't know what the future holds. This is the way we are today, and it's okay, remain the way you are today. But if in God's providence things change, then serve Him that way. Paul says, Serve God now, don't wait. If you are married, it's okay, it's fine. You're allowed to be married. You're allowed to act like you're married. But don't think you have to be married in order to keep God's commands, in order to serve Him. Paul says, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. We'll look as Paul continues to unfold this theme in chapter 7, that we might remain as we are, and where we are, serve God in that condition. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank you for the phases in life that you take us to. Lord God, we know that we should never put off our service to you, so we ask that tonight you would give us a greater zeal, a greater desire to keep your commands because of what you have done, because we have been bought with a price, because you've washed us, you've cleansed us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to respond to you in loving, serving obedience with a greater desire to keep your commands, whether we are single, whether we are married, whether we are older, whether we are younger, Lord God, use us in your service that you might bring glory to yourself. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to turn to number 549 in the Trinity Psalter. Uh, This tune is uh, very familiar, it's the O Perfect Love tune. The words are similar to O Perfect Love, it carries the same type of meaning but a little bit different, so watch the words as we sing. Uh, We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 3 of 549, let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.